Thank you, Ken. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be together again. Uh, one of my greatest challenges this morning, um, as I'm known to be a bit of a wandering, walking preacher, is to stay within the confines of this space, right? And so if you are joining us from the comfort of your own home and you see me disappear, don't panic, right? Don't phone the police. I will be back. I promise you. I will be here. I wonder if we can turn in our Bibles to Psalm 91. I want to speak to us under the title of Living Life Under His Wings. And look at the psalm, Living Life Under His Wings. A little while ago, I found myself at a place of discouragement. I was really discouraged. Uh, no major crisis, or at least not what I could tell, any major crisis, but I was feeling discouraged. There were some dark clouds gathering momentum on the horizon and coming straight at me. The details of that is not important, but I have come to discover over the years that it is a dangerous thing to leave discouragement unchecked because it is not long before its ugly cousins will knock on your door. Anxiety, fear, and even panic. And so I retreated to one of my favorite places, sat down on the couch, and I begin to lift up my state of discouragement to God. Now, something that you should know about me that is relevant is I've got this nasty tendency to slip into self-reliance and self-sufficiency mode. You know the stuff that our culture preaches at us all the time? I can do it. I can fix it. I can try harder, I can dig deeper, I can work longer, I can, I can. It's when we slip out from under the wings of protection that we tend to do this and for some crazy reason think that we can put off life on our own terms. But on this particular occasion, I, I thankfully came to my senses as I looked at the clouds that were gathering momentum on the horizon, I realized that I needed better get out of the driver's seat and ask God to forgive me and to take over the controls because whatever I had to offer these situations is not going to cut it. I came to the end of what I could offer. Ran out of myself. And so that night I went to bed and something happened to me that has never happened in 23-odd years of being a follower of Christ. Now again, I need to give you a little bit of context here. I would not describe myself as somebody who has an incredibly, wonderfully uh, prophetic gift, who can audibly hear God's voice all the time. I've often desired it. I've often, got, often asked God for it, but it's somehow not me. And so I've even been at times a little bit skeptical and cynical 
about people hearing his voice all the time because I've seen the damage that the lunatic fringe has done to the church and to believers. But on this night, and for whatever reason, at three different occasions, God caught my attention with the loud words in my ear, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Until when I heard it for the third time, I sat up in my bed, I reached for my phone, and this is what I read. Psalm 91, verse 1. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be the shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, that they will lift you up in their hands, so that you, that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Given my state of discouragement with which I went to bed, you can imagine the thoughts that were racing through my heart and my mind as I read this. And once the, once the emotion and the pure relief of, of hearing God's reassuring voice settled on me, I found myself at a place of trying to understand what these verses actually means. I remember Tim Keller, New York pastor, author, speaker, just a wonderful voice uh, for the church, somebody I respect a lot, and somebody who's borrowed, who I've borrowed from for this sermon as well. But I remember Tim Keller saying this. He says that if you want a particular passage, a verse, or a piece of scripture to mean something to you, like I did that night, be very careful, be suspicious if it does. His point being that before we jump to a conclusion and an and a interpretation that suits us, we better be on our knees. We better pray. We better ask. We better read wider. We better double check before we jump to conclusions. And the promise of the psalm is a very simple one. 
for you and I, those of us who's put our faith and our trust in God, He will keep us safe. But how do we actually understand this? In a broken, fallen, messed up world. Well, I'll tell you how Satan would like us to understand it. In Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is tempted by the devil, the devil actually quotes the psalm. Psalm 91. Now, there's a bit of trivia for you on a Sunday morning. The devil can quote scripture. And he's saying to Jesus, Jesus... God will not allow you to strike your toe against the stone. What's he saying? He's saying, Jesus, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to go to the cross. If this God of yours is really such a good God, if he's going to keep his promises to keep you safe, he will never let you suffer. If the devil can get you and I to believe that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Well, what happens if it does? Are we going to walk out on God? Say, God, I'm out of here. This Psalm 91 of yours sounds cool, but it doesn't actually work. Are we going to do that? Are we going to live and believe this promise as long as God is like a puppet on a string and keeps our lives injury-free and safe and carefree and hassle-free? Are we tempted to do that? Well, that's exactly what Satan would like us to do. He wants us to feel entitled to a smooth ride. So that when, not when, not if, we eat some potholes, that we'll be quick to point fingers at God and perhaps even be tempted to turn our back on Him. And so when I read the psalm, given my state of discouragement that I went to bed with, it would have been so easy for me to settle in this bubble and say, God, I'm just so delighted, I'm so happy that I'm going to have a safe life and nothing harmful will come my way. But boy, it would have been foolish. Because I would have missed what God wanted to say to me, and I believe what He wants to say to us today. And so the more I pondered on this psalm, the more I prayed over this psalm, the more I read about this psalm, I realized there is more than meet the eye. And I want to essentially, as I deal with it this morning, look at just three things. It's not going to be long. Three things that I think will be helpful as we see pain and suffering and sorrow all around us, most of the days. And the three things is simply this. There is the promise, which we read about, pretty straightforward. But secondly, when you begin to scratch the surface, you'll discover that there are some challenges with this promise, which we look at. And then thirdly, like all good three-point sermons, there is the solution. We're going to end on a good note. And so let's look at the promise. Psalm 91 promises that God will keep us safe in, different, in, in difficult circumstances, in dangerous circumstances, that while this broken world may be filled with all kinds of sorrows, He will give us peace. Right? And He uses a variety of metaphors. He talks about a refuge, a, a shelter, 
Uh, he talks about a fortress, all these things pointing to that if you are in such a place, it's going to be safe, it's going to be okay. And he talks about a shadow. Whenever you read in the Bible about being in the shadow, under the shadow of God, in biblical times, in a hot desert climate, that was a matter of life and death. A shadow could save your life. Simple as that. We've been protected by the shadow. He talks about the wings as an image of a mother bird with a, with a wing stretched out so that the young can come under her wings where, where no predators and no elements will come away. And God is this perfect Father. He is intimate. He is close. He is tender. He is longing to us, to be with us. He's protective. He's all of those things. So if you are in a relationship with God, He will keep you safe. That's the promise of Psalm 91. So far, so good. But secondly, we need to understand that this promise does not come without some challenges. It seems to be saying nothing bad will happen to us. Look at verse 5 and 6. It says, disease, violence will not come near you. Verse 10, no harm will befall you. Verse 12, if you believe in God and you put your trust in Him, you will not even hurt your toe. That's what the psalm seems to suggest. If you really trust God, if you really have faith in Him, then nothing major bad will ever happen to you. And so if it does, you just need to up your game. You just need to faith it a little more. Your faith isn't strong enough to even withstand a step toe. And my friends, if God wants followers of Christ, you and I, to believe that nothing bad will ever happen to us, it is because He knows this is the easiest way for Him to destroy not only the, the promise that we read here, but in fact our faith itself. That would be the way He would do it. And so how do we get around this, this dilemma of, of living in a messed up place with everything around us seemingly going wrong? And yet, we read Psalm 91, we are in a safe place. Well, there are three passages that I think is going to be helpful for us. The first one is in Genesis 50, where Joseph, at the end of a long life in which he was abused, he was enslaved, he was wrongly accused, he was convicted, he spent time in jail. After the end of all of that, he makes the, he makes the most remarkable statement. He goes to his brothers and he says to them, they you caused to inflict all this pain on him, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now we know that Joseph was the favorite son and he had a lot of selfish ambitions. He wanted to be more famous and, and more powerful. He was acting like a bit of a spoiled brat in a highly dysfunctional family. We know all that stuff. But if Joseph wasn't sent to Egypt, if he wasn't sold into slavery, he would never have become the prime minister. He would never have saved nations from salvation. And Joseph cried out to God for years, and God seemingly did not answer his prayers. But when you look back, you see that although he was sold into slavery, what happened? God kept him safe. And he was beautifully reconciled with his brothers. He was instrumental 
in saving nations. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. We see the, the classic New Testament take on this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, this is a scripture that we should all know well. Let me read it for us. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. All things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Note that this verse, contrary to what some people seem to think, it doesn't say that all things are good. Man, in this world, there are a lot of stuff that we should just call it out. It is bad. It is evil. There is nothing good this morning that I can say about genocide or child rape. It is evil. It is bad. But this scripture says that God works all things together in the long run in such a way that His name will be lifted up. His name will be glorified. And it will be for our good. There was a case in South Africa, I'm going back many years here, where a young woman was abducted out of a, one of our biggest cities. I think it was a Friday night. She was dragged into a bush. She was gang-raped. Her throat was slit. She was absolutely left for dead, finished. But somehow, she managed to pluck up the strength and the courage to attach her head to her body again, and like this, crawl to a road where somebody stopped to give her help. She made a miraculous recovery through many surgeries. She was emotionally restored. She was a follower of Christ. Surely what happened to her that night was not what Psalm 91 promises, right? And then she got healed. And then she became a ministry where she helped young women who were culprits of, or victims of violence. And she began to be used by God to restore lives. Good will triumph over evil. And God see to it that all things work together. It means that from His vantage point of eternity, He will exercise His power in such a way that His name will be glorified and it will be for our good. And then we see this passage in Luke chapter 21, a weird passage, Jesus speaking. He says, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. And then verse 18 makes the most remarkable claim. He says, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. Some of the translations say you will possess your soul. Some of you will be killed for this. Some of you will be killed, but not a hair on your head will perish. You say, Christa, have you lost your mind? How is this even possible? Bad things is going to happen to you. Some of you will be killed. But I will keep you safe. You will possess your souls. My friends, what I want us to see this morning is that, is that suffering reminds us where real life is to be found.
please listen to me. Real life is not to be found in the magnificent home that you own or the beautiful car that you drive or your fantastic marriage or your great relationships or your wonderful health or your career. All those things are amazing blessings from God which we must celebrate and we must be on our knees to thank Him for it. But sorry to burst your bubble, that is not real life. And when we, want, when we begin to disappear under the wings of God and His protection and trying to pull life off on our own terms is when we come unstuck. Real life is a person. His name is Jesus. And you and I have Him forever. And the reason why the loss of those things are so incredibly painful for us is because we mistake them as real life. All the sights, the sounds, the experiences, the possessions, all those things that are so precious to us, they are, they are of the created world. They are set there by God to point to life. But they are not life. Real life. Eternal life. A life that, that, that involves abiding peace. A life that gives me hope in the middle of a crisis. A, a, a life that gives me hope when dark clouds come towards me. That's real life. His name is Jesus. And we have Him forever. You can lose your house. Somebody can smash your car. Your best friends can walk out on you. Your marriage can end up on the rocks. But none of those will cost you real life. Because the one who is real life stays with us all the time. He will never leave you. And so in suffering, take hold of God. Be patient as we look to Him. God is saying in this passage, Man, bad things will happen. Some of you will even lose your life. But I will keep you safe. And so we come to the last part of this psalm. God speaking directly. It's like an oracle from God. Verse 14. He says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. And then there are seven words that even if you forget everything else I said this morning, if you put these seven words into your life as we leave this place, you will be a changed person. It simply says this, I will be with him in trouble. Folks, God does not stand on the sidelines. He is God. He is incarnate. He is human. He is vulnerable. He is killable. You see that? He walks with us in and through trouble. He had to develop courage to be betrayed and tortured on the cross. The person, the Jesus who says, I know what trouble is like. I will walk through your suffering actually has been there. He was willing to suffer the most outrageous, excruciating pain. That, we, that is surely possible, and, and, 
and, and the pain that he suffered mostly wasn't even the physical one, as bad and as excruciating as that ordeal was. The pain that broke him was emotional and relational. When God turned his back on his own son, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus willingly took your and my rejection so that we will never, ever be rejected again. Life will never turn its back on us. Life will never quit on us. Life came to us by grace. You and I did not get saved because we are good. It's because God is good. Always good. Like a mother bird. With the wings stretched out wide. He is inviting us to come under the wings of His protection this morning. For some of us, under the wings of His judgment for the first time. You see, the only thing that can really hurt us forever, the only disease that can kill you and I into eternity is sin, and it's taken care of. Jesus has healed it already. Our debt has been paid. A debt that you and I can never pay. Oh, under the under whose wings I took shelter, the judgment fell on him. On the cross, Jesus saw people betray him, deny him, mock him. But he stayed the course. Lord, if you were that patient and, and, and the suffering for me, surely I can be a little bit more patient in suffering for you. And so, back to my couch. As I reflect on this psalm, I came to realize that life with God in trouble is a much better life than the absence of Him with no trouble. For all the days that are ordained for me, God will unfailingly give me what is best until He safely brings me home. He has gloriously rescued me. He has spoken to me through His Scriptures. He has been faithful to His Word. He has never left me alone. And my discouragement came when I wanted God to be a puppet on a string for me to satisfy my earthly desires. But He's given me so much more. Some of the dark clouds are still there. But He's with me in those. God has given me everything I need, I can abide in the shadow of the Almighty forever. True evil will never fall on me. I may have some bumps along the road. I may have a crisis along the road. But boy, am I in a fortress. Have I found refuge under the wings of a mother and a father got my back. Three days before um, our dear friend Bill lost his battle with cancer, Elise and I got a WhatsApp from him and you can imagine he was incredibly weak and it took all his effort to string one sentence together. I've listened to that thing 50 times. He just said this, I want you to know going well with me and I'm positive a man on his deathbed 
How can he say that? It's because Bill, despite incredible world success, discovered what life looks like. Real life. His name is Jesus. And we have him forever. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we come to you because we know it's the best thing for us is to come and hide under your shadow, under your wings, in your fortress. Whatever metaphor works for us, God, hear this, that we don't want to live life outside of you. Thank you that you are this to us. Thank you that you are real life. Thank you that you came to us by grace. Thank you that it doesn't matter what we face this morning. That you will keep us safe. That you are real life. And that we will never lose you. God, I, I pray that in moments of insanity like I've experienced, that you would pull me back. Pluck me under your wings again and keep me there. I want to pray for people this morning who, for whatever reason, at some point, you decided to disappear under his wings and thought that it's going to be a better deal for you. And you'd be left horribly disappointed this morning. I want you to know, God's saying it's fine, come back. My grace is sufficient for you. The grace that saved you will sustain you. Come under my wings. If that's you, wherever you are, whatever your circumstance, just use us a few seconds to say that to God. Say it to Him. God, I'm back. I'm back where I belong. I'm back under your wings. Keep me safe. Some of you may be saying that all of this is new to you. You don't really understand it, but never thought of real life as a person. I want you to know that this morning, real life is waiting for you to open your heart. And to invite him in. It's all, all you have to do. It's a simple thing. And yet a life changing and a life giving thing. To acknowledge that we were never meant to fly solo. We were never meant to live on our terms. And this morning, maybe your day, wherever you are. Whether it's in the comfort of your own lounge. Or whether, wherever you hear this message. If that's you. Don't leave one more day of, of moving outside. The wings of his protection. And all you have to do is to say, Father, this day I come to you. Forgive me for my sins. As I invite you into my heart and my life, I'm giving you the controls. Real life starts here. A life that can never be taken from us. 
He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We praise your name, Father. We praise your name. Amen.